It is the biggest, most important game of the Orlando Magic season, at least until the next one. But this one's actually pretty big. Why Magic Heat matters more, plus the final stop on our trade deadline tour. Why a big deal for DeJounte Murray is not far-fetched. It's time for Locked On Magic. You are Locked On Magic, your daily Orlando Magic podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. And you are indeed locked on magic. Today is February 6, 2024. My name is Philip Ross Reich. I'm the expert and site editor over at OrlandoMagicDaily.com. Of course, follow me on Twitter at PhilipRR underscore OMD. On today's episode of Locked On Magic, the Orlando Magic play a pretty darn big game. Why the Magic's game against the Miami Heat matters more than just extending this three-game win streak. We'll dive into all the playoff implications for this game, an episode that will surely make Matt Moore very, very happy. We're going to talk tiebreakers coming up here in just one. Plus, we make the final stop on our trade deadline tour, talking about DeJounte Murray, what the trade de- what the trade market looks like for the Atlanta Hawks guard, and why I deal with the magic is not far-fetched. We're going to get to that coming up here in just a moment. But first, we want to thank you for making Lockdown Magic part of your day every day, no matter when you listen to us, whether it's first in the morning, whether it's right when we upload, we truly appreciate you making Lockdown Magic part of your day every day. Remember, there's a great Lockdown podcast covering every single team in the NBA. Just search for Lockdown and the team you're looking for. The Lockdown Podcast Network, it's your team every day. Today's episode of Lockdown Magic is brought to you by FanDuel. Make every moment more right now. New customers... Get $200 in bonus bets if your best bet of if your first bet, excuse me, of $5 or more wins. Visit fanduel.com slash locked on to get started today. We're going to get to uh, the trade deadline tour. We're going to talk with Brad Rowland of Locked On Hawks coming up here in just a moment. But I would be remiss if we did not lead today's show with the big game, the big deal, the big thing that is happening for the Orlando Magic on Tuesday. Yes, the trade deadline is on the horizon. We're going to talk plenty more about it later in this show and then all episode on uh, all, all episode uh, Wednesday leading into Thursday. But this is a big game. Uh, and, and I don't want to oversell how big this game is because it is still an early February game. But this is a big game with a lot of playoff implications. The way the standing's set up right now, the Orlando Magic, Indiana Pacers, and Miami Heat are in a death struggle for the final spot in the playoffs to avoid the play-in tournament. The Indiana Pacers currently sit at 28-23. and 23. That is a half game ahead of the Orlando Magic, who sit at 27-23, and 23, who are one game ahead of the Miami Heat at 26-24. These standings are going to change a lot over the course of the... And then the Magic now a four-game lead over the Chicago Bulls at 23-27. and 27, Also very important. These standings are going to change a lot over the course of the next 32 games. But we are 30 we're at the 50 game mark right now. We can start to see that finish line over a horizon. And so every single one of these games against peers is really important. Now I mentioned tiebreakers. Shout out to our friend Matt Moore at the Action Network as well as Locked on Nuggets. Um, I mentioned tiebreakers. The Magic have already won their tiebreaker against the Pacers. They have one more game against Indiana that's coming up March 10th in Orlando at the Kia Center. The Magic and Heat, though, 
The Magic need a win on Tuesday to tie the Heat uh, in their season series. The Heat beat Orlando at Kia Center uh, back in December, a game where they scored 17 unanswered in the second quarter. That was really the difference in the game. Then a three-point win on a Bam Adebayo jumper um, a couple weeks back at Kaseya Center. They came back to the Kia Center, uh, and Orlando was able to get a huge win, holding Miami under 100 points. This is another opportunity to tie the Heat and begin to assert themselves. It's not just that a win gives them a two-game advantage. That can be thrown away pretty quickly. What a win does here, though, is it sets up some very realistic tiebreaker scenarios. First off, you lose the season series, you got to finish with a better record than the Heat. Um, that's like a game in hand. Uh, you know, that, that, that's, that's like a game in your pocket. Um, you know, the Heat don't have to have a better record than the Magic if Miami wins this game on Tuesday. Uh, tie it, and now we get to the fudgy stuff. Now we get to those second and third tiebreakers. Among division teams, which the Magic and Heat are in the same division, Division, and, and we'll get to why this is actually the tiebreaker here in a minute. Um, division record is the next tiebreaker. The Miami Heat are currently 10-2. and two. Orlando is 6-4. and four. Those four losses, two to Atlanta, two to Miami. Orlando still has one game against Washington, one game against Washington remaining, and three against Charlotte um, within their division. So there's still, you know, you win this game, you're 7-4, and four, Miami's 10-3. and three. You obviously have the ability to make up that ground. Now, why does this matter? Well, this is why. Winning the division does give you a distinct advantage. This stuff matters. If the Magic Heater tied, obviously the division, you know, if the Magic Heater tied and they both and their the season series is tied, the division records will determine who eventually uh who eventually who eventually wins the division. That matters if they tie Indiana. Because remember, Indiana's only a half game ahead of Orlando. In the event of a three-way tie between Indiana, Orlando, and Miami, the first tiebreaker is division winner. Y'all thought divisions didn't matter. Y'all thought the Southeast division was a silly little thing. This stuff matters. And so if the, the Magic have to put themselves in a position to win the Southeast. First off, we want to win the Southeast because it's a nice banner that we can hang in the Advent Health Training Center. Um, and it's a that's a nice you know feather in our cap. We get these, we get the nice t-shirts. We won the division in 2019. We'd like to win it again and end the heat supremacy over the division over the last decade. Um, or over the last almost decade at this point. Um, but again, if the magic want to avoid the play-in, they've got to give themselves. Every out, it's like poker, every out they can have to do so. And so it starts with setting themselves up to win the division. And they can't do that unless they beat Miami on Tuesday. Now, I'm not going to sit here and pretend that this game will have a playoff atmosphere. Casilla Center is a great atmosphere. It'll be a Tuesday night instead of a Friday night like the last time. But it will be plenty raucous. And, and playing on the road is, is always tough and always difficult anyway. Um, and so... I'm not going to pretend this is going to be a playoff atmosphere. It's probably not even going to be like the atmosphere that the Magic had at Kia Center, then Amway Center, um, when they played the Celtics in the in-season tournament. That felt that was obviously a big game because it was Black Friday. It was an afternoon game, so a special tip-off uh, in-season tournament game. It 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 had it would it felt big because of the manufactured in-season tournament, but it felt big, and we pitched it like a big game. This game though against Miami is just as big as that 
It may not have the do or die consequences, but this game will have lasting ramifications to the end of the season, to April, to that playoff trace. And as I always say on this show, we are always thinking about April. We are always thinking about the playoffs. And the Magic are going to put themselves here in a position to set themselves up for the postseason, set themselves up for the playoffs. And that is, of course, all you can ask for. The Magic are playing really, really well right now on a three-game win streak. Miami won two two straight after uh, after snapping their seven-game losing streak. Um, they lost to the Clippers on Sunday. There's still a team that's struggling a little bit offensively. So if the Magic show up on defense at the end of a long road trip, show up on defense, the Magic could very well put themselves in a position to win this game. They've proven they can compete in Miami. They did so undermanned against the Heat a couple weeks back. This is a big game. And so we are going to watch very, very carefully and closely to see if the Magic can pull this one out. We will have complete coverage of that game from Kaseya Center on tomorrow's episode of Locked on Magic. But the rest of this show, we're going to talk trade deadline, why the all-in move for DeJounte Murray is not far-fetched. We're going to dive into him as a player with Brad Rowland of Locked on Hawks coming up here in just a moment. But first, it's time for a quick word from our friends over at FanDuel. Happy Super Bowl to all who celebrate from FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. If you're like me, the big game is all about scoring the best seat on the couch, grabbing your favorite football snacks, and placing some super bets. I'm always partial to over-under on the National Anthem. I actually don't know if FanDuel offers that, but they should, and you should always bet the over on the National Anthem. That that, that almost never fails, just like Tails never fails. I don't know if they offer that, but, but Tails never fails. Um, FanDuel has so many ways for you to end the season with a W or two or three. Not only can you bet on who will win the Super Bowl, but FanDuel also has bets for which players will score a touchdown, how many points will be scored, and so much more. New customers join today and you'll get $200 in bonus bets if you first bet a $5 or more wins. Just visit FanDuel.com slash locked on to sign up. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on. Make every moment more with FanDuel, an official sportsbook partner of the NFL. Before we get to our conversation with Brad Rowland of Locked On Hawks, I want to remind you that the NBA trade deadline is Thursday. That's probably a good place to start. Uh, since we're getting ready to talk trade deadline here in a minute. But Locked On Fantasy Basketball is your place for live reaction. Start Thursday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time. Subscribe to Locked On Fantasy Basketball on YouTube today so you don't miss Josh Lloyd breaking down every NBA trade with analysis insight you can only get from Locked On Fantasy Basketball, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Now let's dive into DeJounte Murray with Brad Rowland of Locked On Hawks. And I am joined once again for the second time this season by our good friend from Locked On Hawks, Brad Rowland. Uh, Brad, uh, how's it going? Uh, I know Saturday was was a little was a lot. How how you feeling after Saturday's big win? <laughs> Saturday was a lot. There was a lot going on in general. The Hawks have won four in a row, as you and I are talking, and they're uh, they're playing better. So that's interesting. It's been a very strange season in Atlanta, but a little bit better vibes right now than there were a week ago. 
Uh, I probably shouldn't have dated this show as as I just did um, for it's those okay. that are for those that are listening. But you know, we 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 have to plan things in advance. Atlanta does play Monday, so the storylines change game to game. That's how things go in the NBA. But uh, Brad, it, it, it's obviously the big week. It is trade deadline week. Thursday is is the deadline. This will run before then. I can promise that. <laughs> um, uh, but uh, Atlanta is kind of the eye of the storm. It feels like it, with a lot of things. Um, you know, there's been some big deals that have gone down already. You know, Siakam to Indiana is probably the biggest one. Uh, but as we get closer to the trade deadline, it seems like everybody is waiting to see if Atlanta makes the big move uh, of trading Dejounte Murray, and it feels like he is the biggest star that is at least available heading into the deadline. Atlanta, I believe, is sitting in, in ninth or 10th in the Eastern Conference. They're still, they're 10th in the Eastern Conference, I believe, uh, still. But um, they're still able, you know, if any team is capable of winning the play-in tournament from the 10th seed, it's probably this Atlanta team with the weapons that they have, including DeJounte Murray. And, all have, and as Miami showed last year, all I have to do is get in the field. Where where does Atlanta stand you know, obviously this changes hourly, probably minute yeah. by minute, maybe, but <laughs> probably not that, probably not that frequently, but well, uh, where does Atlanta stand as far as what they're thinking of doing with DeJounte Murray as, as we get closer to the deadline? Yeah, I, I think it's really, it's fluid in a way that is maybe not the best process all the time. Like, I think it's possible the Hawks might, not, they're not going to pull them off the market, but I think they might be less motivated because they're playing better, which is one of those things that happens in the NBA. I think it's kind of short. That, that's kind of a short-term focus thing that I don't love process-wise to just change your direction at, really at all based on a four or five game sample size, but they have won four games in a row as we just talked about. And um, I think the consensus around the league is, has been all year long that the Hawks are better talent-wise than they've played this year. And I and I agree with that. So that that process is a little bit strange, but I, I do think in general, this was really the whole roster outside of Trey Young and Jalen Johnson is available. Now, there are varying tiers of available. I think DeJounte is clearly the biggest name that's available for the Hawks. Um, he has lots of suitors, the Lakers, et cetera, all that stuff. Um, he's still out there. I'm sure they will be happy to take calls, and for the right price, they will move him. They're asking for a lot, and that makes sense. He's a really good player. But um, I think they're kind of in this wait and see, and they're trying to at least hold their cards close to the vest right now and say that they're not desperate to trade him, which is just good. You shouldn't – like you shouldn't uh, – sort of posture yourself in a, in a bad, in a bad situation, but I think they're, they're certainly willing to trade him if the right offer comes along. Yeah. And, and, and for those that, that don't, that don't, don't know or realize it's not like there's a rush to trade him. You know, he's, no. yeah, he's got $18.2 million owed this season. Then he's got a four-year extension that kicks in next season that gets up to, that starts at 25 and a half million. So it feels like for a lot of these teams, the Lakers, probably even the magic, this is the window to try and get him because then it becomes much more, you know, it's, you're going to pay it on the back end, but then you got to pay more on the front end as well to get him, to get him, uh, get him next year. If you wait for the summer. And that's why I think there, there's probably a little bit more urgency from a team like the Lakers that doesn't have, you know, they're, they're capped out. They don't have a lot of room. You know, I think, you know, the Knicks have been one of those teams that have been rumored, uh, rumored there. And obviously it's good to have a market and, and you can extract as much as you can, especially considering how much the Hawks paid for paid for Murray um, from the magic fan perspective. It seems like we've seen DeJounte Murray at his best hit the go ahead bucket of game winning, essentially the game winning bucket in the game in Mexico city, hit the buzzer beater in Atlanta a couple weeks ago. You know, he, he, he feels like uh, an all, you know, not an all, maybe not an all-star this year, but an all-star level player, why hasn't it worked out in Atlanta between him and him and Trey Young? Is is it just a matter of, you know, they've had some injuries, they need some time to 
to get the roster in shape around them? Or is there just something that, that just doesn't mesh well between those two? Yeah, it's really interesting because, you know, I think people, the consensus is now that the Hawks are not at least overjoyed with the way it's gone. And that does make sense. They haven't had a huge success. Like this is a team that was kind of in the same spot that it is now before they made this move. And when you make a big move like that, trading two, three picks, you want to get better and they really haven't gotten better. That isn't the fault necessarily of Murray by any means. Like he's still, like you said, a really good player and it hasn't been a disaster. Like that's, I think there's like maybe a narrative out there in some circles that like they can't play together. No, they, they've done okay together. It just hasn't changed the world that they, that they were hoping to. I think the most simple way to put it is that DeJounte Murray is at his best. We've now seen that in Atlanta um, where he has the ball in his hands and he's kind of playing point guard. It's not necessarily as clear as that, but they, with Trey Young, Trey Young is the point guard. He's the best initiator. He's their best offensive player, et cetera. That's, that's, and that's not going to change. I think Murray is so much more comfortable is the way that I put that, like more assertive, um, you know, he's just in his element more when he has the ball and he's kind of running the primary action. He's the guy with the ball in his hands. Now, the counter to that is that on a lot of teams, he isn't necessarily good enough to be the unquestioned number one on a, on a good team. Um, you kind of need a setup like maybe the, with, with the Magic have, honestly, uh, someone like Paolo and Franz to be next to you, um, or maybe LeBron in LA, et cetera. I think that would maybe work better. But if Murray is your shooting guard, which is kind of what they're playing him at in Atlanta a lot of the time, he's a little small for that defensively. He's not. He's done, to his credit, I want to make sure to say this, He's done a good job buying in and taking more catch and shoot threes. He's improved his shooting. Like he's kind of done what you needed to do off the ball. But I think in the end, they're not the most natural fit. They never were. And I think the Hawks, the the more negative side, I suppose, is that the Hawks were hoping that he was going to fix their defense on the perimeter. And that has not happened. So he's not been as good defensively as they hoped. And offensively, it's okay. But I think Murray's still at his core, an on ball point guard. And that's just kind of what he still is. It's all, you know, and I think this is a concern that the Magic have. A lot of teams, I think, have this concern, having too many of the same guys, like almost. Like, you know, John Collins was probably standing in the way of Jalen Johnson and what he's been able to do this this year. And, and is, you know, I think a lot of people criticized the John Collins move because it didn't feel like Atlanta got a lot in return, but it was almost a little bit of addition by subtraction to to give Jalen Johnson this, this much room to breathe. And it, it almost does feel like that's kind of the issue where, you know, DeJounte Murray's been trying to fit in. And Trey Young, look, Trey Young is a really good player. He is uh, unique. Uh, and, and, and and you know, he needs the ball in his hands. You know, the ball, you know, the world kind of revolves around him. It, it, it just, you know, from an outsider's perspective, it feels like they don't maximize each other. And it's trying to figure out, okay, how do we maximize? And, and uh, every team's trying to do this with their stars. The Magic are trying to do this with, with Paolo and Franz and, and figuring this stuff out. How do you maximize your best players to make their lives easier, but also get the most out of them and help them get the most out of the people around them. And, and if a guy doesn't fit as an off the ball guy next to Trey Young, that's that's kind of hard. Yeah, and I think that's a good way to put it. Like they they've done a little bit better this year playing off each other. Quinn Snyder's been a little bit more innovative. I was on record and still am that the previous regime and David Millen was like the worst possible coach for Trey and Ajante, not in a way to, to bag on Nate, but just the, he's a very old school, like your turn, my turn. There was a lot of that. And they're already kind of leaning toward that anyway. So you want to have some more uh, innovation to kind of have them play off each other. And again, it's been better this year at times. Ajante has played well. He shot the ball well. It's just that there's something in the back of your mind. And I think that's been reported out there. The Hawks are just kind of like, you know, we've seen enough of this to realize that if, if nothing else, this is not going to take us to where we want to go. I think that they are not panicked about it. I, like as we start this conversation, they don't have to trade him now. He's under contract. It's a good contract. It's a favorable one in this new cap environment. But they are just kind of like signaling, like you know what, 
we did this move. Um, I'm not sure they, they would admit this. I'll say that so they don't have to. They over <laughs> they overpaid in the first transaction. Uh, I said that at the time, so it's not even revisionist. Um, it would have if, if it works. You know this. If it works, nobody cares about the price you paid. If it works, it works. Yeah. But when it doesn't work to the point that you want it to, you look back and it's like, hey, they probably gave up a little bit too much for that tra- for that transaction. So they try to re- recoup some of that back asset wise. And this is not a hawk show, but it is what it is. Like the hawks are kind of at least and they're signaling ready to kind of go in a different direction on the whole, even if it's not a total disaster, because it really has not been a disaster. It's just that, and DeJounte's played well. It's just that it's, the fit's not perfect. It's it's the whole thing. If nobody wants to be stuck in the middle, like, like yeah, that's, and that's, that's where the, that's and that's the, where that's the where Hawks, I mean, that's where the, the Hawks, Hawks have been three years in a row. Now they have been about as mid as you can possibly like, be. I mean, you don't the, mag- be the magic have played well against Atlanta, but I can tell you this Orlando, Orlando magic fans don't want to be in that seven, eight game against Miami, lose that seven, eight game host Atlanta and face Atlanta because because they're in a single elimination game they are still extremely talented and extremely dangerous and you know we, we've obviously played three really competitive games so yeah. far this season two were last second shots from DeJounte Murray the other one went to overtime like it is this is still a really really tough out you know even if their record isn't where they they want to be Let's take a quick break so I can tell you a quick word from our friends over at BetterHelp who sponsor this podcast. Look, sometimes we all need uh, – this, this next segment is brought to, brought to us by our sponsor at BetterHelp. Sorry, I forgot to read that one. Sometimes we all need the opportunity to get something off our chest. Big or small, certain things can really start to get to you. It's important to let that out, especially to someone who's unbiased in your life. Sometimes we just need – that that neutral ear to someone who is going to be in our corner and just listen. So today I want to say how I really feel about something. You might even be thinking about the same thing this week. I am someone who works really, really hard. So, and, and, and I know for me, I've had to work very, very hard to take some time for myself. So what did I do Monday? Monday, I had my mental health day. I went to Epcot. That's what I, that's what I do on my mental health days. I go to the theme parks. I know some people don't get it, but it's just nice to just kind of walk around, be free, not think about anything and, and ride some rides. I've gone through therapy several times to get to try to help me kind of quiet my brain, get things off my chest and allow me to enjoy life. Therapy can help you do this too. Therapy can be different for everyone. Everyone has different needs. Most of us have bigger problems than our favorite sports team. And it's important to get things off your chest every once in a while. It's literally like unshouldering a burden. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be flexible, and suited to your schedule. Visit BetterHelp.com slash LockedOnNBA to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P.com slash LockedOnNBA. Um, I want to I want to jump now over to kind of the the magic fit. You know, you mentioned yep. that the magic seemed like a team that that you look at as as a team that would fit Deshante Murray. We'll we'll get to a, you know maybe trying to construct a framework for a fake trade here in a minute. But you know, obviously, I, I think everyone recognizes the magic need a point guard. Um, you know, a, a true point a, a, a true point guard in a lot of ways. You know, Markel Fultz has been a, a good place filler, but he's got some very real shortcomings that. 
prevent the ma- again, same thing, prevent the magic from maximizing their, their young talent. Um, when you look at this magic team, how do you, how would you see DeJounte Murray fitting and, and what strengths would he bring to, to what they're trying to build here? Yeah. So if, if you ask me in a vacuum where DeJounte would fit best on a good team, so not on a, not on a, like where he in San Antonio, when he made the all-star Sorry, team, first. he, yeah, he was he was the, he, <laughs> was the sun, he was the sun, moon, and stars on that team, and his numbers were great, but that team was not a real they were not a good team. Um, on a good team, he needs to be, in my opinion, the point guard, but with other top tier guys, preferably on the wing and or center. Like it's not like I think if he's your best guard, you're fine, but you need to have a guy who's preferably better than he is on the wing somewhere, etc. I think he needs to have the ball a lot. He doesn't have the ball, he doesn't have to have the ball in his hands all the time. And I think Orlando, um, you know, the whole league on my side of things, I've been looking for teams that would a have already shown interest in Dejounte, or B maybe I think should, and I think Orlando's in the should category. I think it's like he fits there. I'm not saying it's perfect or that would there be no flaws, but um, I think as an on-ball guy who can get his own shot, he's really good late in situations. His his improved shooting is big for Orlando, as I'm sure you've talked about before. You don't want to have a non-shooter there. Markel is a virtual non-shooter at the point guard spot. It's it's not virtual non-shooter. It's Rudy Gobert is I was guarding, nice. is guarding him and and roaming <laughs> and and is not concerned about him at all. And it's weird because you know Dejounte. If you look at his career numbers as a three-point shooter, they're bad. But he is not the shooter that he used to be in San Antonio. Who's not a you know he's he's always been a good mid-range shooter, and now he's really become at least for this year much more of a high-volume um, three-point shooter, and he's been pretty good at it. Um, the Hawks have done a good job with him pushing him out three point line. He's still comfortable in the mid range. He loves a mid range jump shot. I'm sure he'll admit, he actually admits that to be honest. It's not like he, he doesn't hide that. He likes that range, but he will let it fly from three in a way that Orlando needs as an on ball guy. He's a solid enough passer. Like as a point guard, he's in a special passer. He's a fine passer. Um, but that's kind of all you need. They have other guys that do think, you know, Powell, yeah. Powell mix plays, et cetera. So, um, and then defensively too. While I've been critical of his defense in Atlanta, I have to admit that he's not been particularly good, I don't think. I think he is better if he is the point guard on defense. I think his his skill set plays up better there. He's a playmaker. He's got great hands. He's always been a big steals guy, which steals can be overrated, but it does help you when you have a guy who can kind of get deflections and all that stuff, and he's pretty good at that. So situationally, roster around him, I think he fits pretty well in Orlando. Um, would you want the shooting to be a little bit more proven? Maybe, but I think that I buy his shooting now more than as being closer to his real talent than it was three years ago when he was like not a great shooter. Does that make sense? Yeah, that 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 makes sense. And like, uh, look, I, I'm I'm someone, and I, I know I've said this on my pod a million times, and I don't know if you would agree with this this statement or not. Um, your ability to sh- honestly, it's it's I think deep with defenses, it's not necessarily your ability to shoot that matters. It's the perception of your shooting and. Yep. And I think that because, like, you know, I go down the Magic's list. Paolo's been a better shooter this year. You know, Franz has been shooting forty percent from three over his last eight, seven, eight games. Um, you know, Jalen Suggs is a thirty-nine percent shooter. The Magic, you know, are the second worst shooting team in the league, but they have guys who are taking taking threes and making them at a higher rate than they did last year. But they're right now they're taking so few it doesn't matter. They're taking so few, making so few it doesn't matter. And so to me, I think one thing the Magic have to get is guys who are at least perceived as good shooters or at least perceived as threats where I can't leave this guy because if I'm too far off him, he'll hit a shot and beat me. Or if I'm too far off him, he's going to drive right by me as I try to clo- if I try to close out and, and get, to the, get to the shot. You know, the Magic right now just have too many guys who just the defense is 
go ahead and shoot that. I, I, I don't, I, I don't really care. I don't, we don't really care at this point. Um, and they're not taking enough of them. I mean, I think they've yeah. had three of their last four games. They've taken fewer than 33s, which is fine for them, I suppose. But, <laughs> you enough. know, we're, we're going to get into a playoff series and the Magic might shoot 10 for, you know, 10 for 25 from three. And that's great. The other team's going to make 18 and that's going to be, that's going to be the game. And that's, that's, yeah. you know, that's where the Magic have to start thinking about how do we get better is building that kind of offense. And obviously, you know, I, I think when you look at this Magic team, what they're looking for are guys who can do a little bit of everything. You know, they want to be able to switch, you know, switch defense, switch on defense, especially. So having a, a bigger guard like DeJounte Murray, that's their wheelhouse. That's what they're looking for. That's why they drafted Anthony Black. You know, that's why I think they still stick with Markel Fultz because he's he's big. You know, he's not tall, but he's big. Yeah. Um, you know, they they want to be able to just just envelop guys. You know, you, you mentioned the steals thing. They're very big on deflections and forcing yep. turnovers. They're they're you know, especially if they somehow have Jonathan Isaac behind behind them, they're fine overplaying and, and extending pressure, knowing that they can clean up on the back end. And so, uh, you know, I definitely think Murray is a guy that at least on the surface fits what this team's trying to do. He can yeah. run the point. He can calm the team down, which is, I think, a bigger thing that this, this young team needs, especially. He's another scoring threat, which is another, you know, just just takes another bit of pressure off of Paolo because, you know, Paolo sees a ton of double teams. Um, they run a lot of stuff with Franz on the same side just to try and convince the defense not to, to crash down on him. Having another guy like that it, it would be huge, especially with the passing that this team has. And you know, I, I've said this, I think, to a lot of to a lot of people offline. I'll say it officially on the podcast. If the Magic were to go make an all-in move this this uh, trade deadline or even into the summer, because the Magic are still a team that I think could make a deal in the summer if, if it came to that. Dejounte Murray is, I think, the guy I would at least the guy available on the market who I would push my chips in for, who I might push my chips in for a, a little bit and and say, okay. Let's bring in a third star qual star caliber player and see where this takes us. Because obviously the Magic are looking for a point guard. You know we've done pods here <laughs> uh, on this on my on the Locked On Magic trade deadline tour with Malcolm Brogdon, Matthias Jones, Markel Fultz is a free agent this summer. I think I think all of us sense that finding a point guard is the next step for this team or the next need to fill for this team as they try to figure out what this actually looks like. And so the highest end of that is is Dejounte Murray, at, at least that, with what's available right now. Um, to that point, then, um, from a team building perspective, because I, I don't think Orlando and Atlanta was in a different place. I think when they got Dejounte Murray than where Orlando Orlando is right now. You know, the, yeah. obviously Atlanta coming off the high of the Eastern Conference Finals trip um, in the 2020 season. I think 21, they, they, they lost in the first, they lost in the first round or they, they lost in the play play. In they or? had a, they had a very, so like you said, the conference finals run, then they had a, a pretty spectacular first round loss to Miami in which um, I'll do the short yeah. version. Miami, 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 them, Miami, Miami, them, but also <laughs> in a way that they, they threw three guys, like literally yep, three guys at Trey Young. And it was so obvious that the Hawks had nobody else to beat Miami and they, overreacted but reacted appropriately in some ways like hey the, the solution was we have to find another score and they went and got Dejounte Murray to kind of check that box so that's that's kind of the, that was the timeline and so to your point it's the Hawks had already been there and they they had fallen back and that kind of makes you a little bit more desperate than when you haven't been there at all but that makes sense Orlando's yeah, still on, on yeah, the ascent that, and the Hawks were not yeah exactly exactly and so I, so like that's one of the reasons why I don't think Orlando is ready to push push the chips in but I, I think that I want to get this perspective then how do you know when 
it's time to push those chips in and, and go all in because because they like yeah. like you're because you're right like I remember that series they were sending three to Trey Young it was just like the Hawks need to give Trey Young some help they need another yeah. guy who can handle the ball handle the ball and maybe you know, handle the ball you know kind of help him out a little bit like John Collins wasn't doing it obviously um, the the Hawks you know had been close to the mountaintop and were trying to get it back there they put a lot of assets into Dejounte Murray they put a yeah. lot of chips in, and and you know. We'll, we'll talk a little bit about compensation here in a minute, but the Hawks, it feels like are expecting to get, try and get some of that back. If they're going to move Murray, how do you know when, when is the right time to make that kind of all in move? It's a really interesting question because it's some of that is, is organizational. Like how much do you believe in what you already have? Is this the final piece? Is this the second or second to last piece? Like part of it is like, okay, Let's just fast forward for a second and say, now you have DeJounte Murray. Now, what are your internal expectations? Are you expecting this move to make you a title contender? Because that, that's a big jump, obviously, from where they are now. And um, they're in this phase at this moment, and I'm sure you talked about it a lot on your show, where it's like, yeah, they're going to probably be in the playoffs this year, but what does that mean? Like, do you want to see what this team looks like in a playoff series before you make the big move, or do you want to go ahead and do it now? And that's an interesting balance, because I, I agree with what you said before. Murray on paper like makes a ton of sense for them, uh, especially looking at the market right now and the free agency or lack thereof of guys who are going to be available at that spot. The needs like he's co- he's cost controlled. It's even if you don't love Murray, it's a good contract. It it, it just is. So and if you think it, and if you think it isn't, just wait till the new TD, TV deal comes. And out. that's the why I'm that's why I'm saying that. Like I, it sounds like a lot of money. It's four years, 114 million. But like it was only that number because that was the most he was allowed to sign. If he had been able to get more than that on an extension, he would have gotten more than that. He had, he actually signed a very cheap contract in San Antonio that kind of capped him. Anyway, um, when do you go all in? It's an interesting question because I don't think Murray's going to make Orlando like a title container. I, I don't think that. But it does allow you to fortify the clear weakness that they have at that as far as positionally right now. It helps the scoring. It helps the shooting a little bit. Um, and it doesn't cap you long-term. Like if it doesn't, let's just say it doesn't work. You can move him. Like, it's not like you're in this spot where you're locked in forever to this terrible, um, I, I won't use any players as a comparison contracts just to not be mean, but it's, that's a deal you can move. So, uh, when you go, it's, it's, there's not an easy answer. I'm sure there, everybody wishes yeah. there was, but there, there just isn't one. It's, and it's all about something that's really hard for you to know, or I know on the outside, it's like, it's all about like front office team building and how do you want to frame your upward trajectory? Because you also speed up your expectations. I know this, uh, I don't know how Orlando fans are handling it right now. I think this is kind of a, it's been pretty linear so far. Like they're just getting better and they're getting better. And that is actually a lot of the fun part is when you're on the, uh, is when you're on the way up. But the first time speaking of somebody who covered the Hawks, the first time you overachieve, there's danger in overachieving. Yeah. The Hawks were not a top four team in the league when they made that run of the conference finals. And yet, once you do that, your ownership and your front office, you're like, hey, we've arrived. And the Hawks had not arrived. It's just that they caught, they caught a few breaks. Trey was awesome. They made the run. And that's the scary part is that suddenly you have your balance is out of whack. So I think that keeping things in line was, is the most important part about, about like when you actually go all in because or not even going all in. Like it's kind of a there's an all in and then there's like a Phoenix yeah. Suns all in. Like there, yeah. there's def- there's definitely uh yeah, there's uh, definitely levels to, to this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And 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 like look, th- and this this is a point that I've made repeatedly. Like this magic team, honestly, like I, I've said this to everyone, like the magic need to get into a playoff series with Milwaukee, with Boston, with Philadelphia. I mean, maybe not Philadelphia anymore, but uh, they need to get yeah. into a playoff series and get their butts kicked. Against a real and, team. Yep. Uh, yeah, against a real team in the playoffs. Like but they like 
they don't know what Paolo and Franz are yet because they don't know what they need to work on because they haven't been in a playoff series uh, to see, okay, this is how these guys are going to, this is how they're going to defend us. This is how they're going to double us. And like, look, the magic needs shooting. When they get into that playoff series this year, they're probably going to lose in five. If they get it to six, that's, that's almost a coup. Um, unless, unless they somehow get into the four or five game, which I don't think they're going to at this point, but, um, but they're, they're going to play a real team that's going to break them. And then that, that's when they're really going to find out what they need and what they're missing. And, and like, look, we know they're missing a point guard. We know they're missing shooting. We know they need some things. It's, it's not like we're saying this team is perfect, you know, yeah. live with them. But like to, to that point, Paolo doesn't know what he, how, know what he needs to work on yet. And no. so I, I, I think, I think the concern on my end with the magic you know, again, I, I really like the idea of a DeJounte Murray on this team, but my concern at this developmental stage with the team is that if you put a DeJounte Murray on this team, all of a sudden you are putting those expectations on this group and you're kind of boxing in Bain Caro into a specific role and a specific play because Murray has to play his way and you have to feed Murray the ball a cer- certain amount of times. It's not like eventually you're going to have to learn how to play with other really good players, but it just feels like Paolo and Franz are still in this experimental stage where they can make some mistakes and you know, no one is flipping out about that, About you know, no one flips out when Franz has a five turnover game because it's like, okay, he's learning when, where his shots are going to come from. And, and that's, you know, like you said, nothing is more fun than a team that's figuring out how to win for the first time. Because, you know, once they, once they've proven they can win, then everyone starts to be like, okay, why aren't you doing it more right yep. now? It's like, okay, like this is fun. We're winning. That first, we're, we're that first season, that first season it's, that it's you're actually pretty good is, is a lot of fun. And I do think Murray is like, fairly flexible like i don't think he would pin you down as much as mm-hmm. someone might think too that's also important to point out because like he doesn't have to be a 30 percent usage guy you're not trading yeah. for a guy who has to be the every down quarterback you know what i mean like i think he's i think he is a point guard he is a scorer but um also the there's there's the there's the paolo Dejounte thing from from back in the day <laughs> yeah that's interesting they're both they they're allegedly both... squashed that beat, i think they kind of but... have but i just want to say that say those words out loud once yeah, that's there. no it's there Powell's a franchise player, so obviously he would have to be okay with it for it to happen. No, I think I wouldn't worry about that. It's just kind of a funny thing that I just remembered as we were talking. Yeah. Um, but no, I, I think that it is a move that would be a expectation changer. And I think you've got to be ready for that as an organization, whether it's from the front office to the coaching staff to the players. Like it's like, hey, once this guy arrives, he walks in the door. Like it's not like you're trading for an established top 10 player. And that's that's a different, that's a different discussion. Murray's in that like top 40, 50 range. Like he's a really good player. Um, but he'd be firmly in a big three with with Paolo and Franz at that point, and they haven't had that experience yet. It's been Paolo and Franz, and they're they're the two best guys by far. And, and they've they have... been they've been doing it in anonymity, like no yeah. one's no one's really paying it. Like like Orlando, like Orlando has been so lost in the desert. Like you know, That's we're what happens. we're very we're very happy just to have them. <laughs> like it's it's it oh gets, for sure it gets different. And he would help them a lot. And I I do think that on the players, I don't look. We don't. I, I, I'm guilty of this too, but I try to like. Think about the player side, and if, if I was Dejounte, I'd be I'd be thrilled to be in Orlando. I really would. Um, you know, take you know lo- locations and relationships, all that stuff. Out. Basketball wise, like it gives him a chance to be the player that he would like to be in the way that he's comfortable being as like the point guard, ball in his hands, but also has plenty of help. And that's a good situation for him to be in as well. Let's let's kind of close with with this then. You know, I, I'm not I'm not big into making like fake trades. I, I like looking for kind Me of, either. <laughs> I'm like I'm very I'm very I like looking at frameworks for deals. Like we could fill in sure. the details later, but is there a way to do this? But but we have to start here. 
you know, you said the Hawks are kind of putting a pretty firm line. They're looking for a lot. What are the Hawks looking for in, in a deal at, at, at this juncture? So the, what's been reported and what I have also heard in addition to the reporting is that the Hawks have been asking teams for the equivalent of two first round picks and something else, essentially, like whether, whether that's the, the salary filler or a young player. Um, some of the teams don't have two first round picks like the Lakers are the team that's been most tied to have. They don't have two. So it's been like one and whatever else you can cobble together kind of thing. So they're not married to it has to be two first round picks, but that's the equivalent value. And like same thing with Orlando, I think if you uh, if you inserted Anthony Black in place of a first-round pick, like that counts. Does that mean? Does that yeah. make sense? I don't. Yeah. I don't. I don't. I don't know if my. I don't we're know not if my guy John Howard doing that. We're not. No. We're not no. 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 Magic are doing that. I'm just like, giving you the uh, the examples <laughs> yeah, yeah. of like first-round pick can mean different things. First-round um, pick can mean second second draft guy. Yeah, it could. Who's, be. who's I, not? Who's I, not like? I don't know. Them. Yeah, like because for instance, the Lakers have been trying to offer them Jalen Hutchinson, who was a first-round pick this last year. I don't think he has the value in a vacuum of a first round pick right now. Um, I don't know if Jet Howard would have the first round pick patina in a trade right now after not playing really at all this year. But like he'd be interesting. That's a guy that's like interesting. Um, That's what the Hawks want to do. Yeah. And and, and Orlando has picks. They do actually have picks versus some of these teams that don't. So that's the asking price. Um, of course, you have to match salary. Um, one of the advantages now is that he's only making 18-ish million this year, so it's a little bit easier to do that. And as you well know, Orlando has a bunch of those mid-tier salaries, so it'd be one of the easier teams to actually find a deal that lines up. I don't know. If, I don't know what the Hawks want on the Magic roster. That's that's the question. But they do have different combinations in a way that like there's a lot of different ways to get it done. I would yeah, imagine. yeah. And and like this, 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 you know, this is a problem that I've, I've brought up with a lot, with a lot of people like the magic do have a lot of these kind of mid tier salaries, but like, I imagine Atlanta, if they're, even if they're trading DeJounte Murray, they still want to be competitive. Like they're still in the play in yeah. chase. They don't want to lose that play in spot. They still got, they can't waste a year of Trey young. If, they, if they would, they would it. prefer, they would prefer not to turn Murray into nothing for this year. Like there's, yeah. there are, there are ways for them to do a deal that would do that. I think there's a deal with the Knicks that was discussed at one point for like Evan Fournier. And, but even then they were getting Quentin Grimes in the deal. Quentin Grimes is not a spectacular player, but he would help he you can now. Contribute. Yeah. Um, it's not, he's not a total zero. I, I think that to your point, they don't, they don't want to bottom out right now. They'd like yeah. to be competitive this year. And they also know that trading DeJounte isn't going to make them better in the short term. It's more of a retooling effort, but they don't want to just get nothing back in the short term if they can help. Yeah. Them. And so, so to that, so to that point, like this is the, the bigger problem that I think the magic have is the guys that they have to offer that would match DeJounte Murray's salary are Jonathan Isaac, who, you know, yep. might be, might be recouping some value, but I don't think the magic want to trade him with how good he has been when he's, yep. when he's been healthy. They got Marco Fultz, who's an expiring contract, which might be valuable in a bad free agent class, but also there's a reason the Magic are trying to get off Markel Fultz or trying to move on from Markel Fultz. Um, yep. It's Wendell Carter, who you know is only at thirteen million dollars. You know, Atlanta product. Atlanta product. Um, you know, he might be someone that is of interest to people, but you know, the Magic, you know, the Magic would want a center back in return. I don't think Clint Capella does does it does it for them. It's you know. Gary Harris, who's an expiring $13 million contract. He's been hurt most of the year. The guys at the Magic have that would help them get, you know, Chumo KK, another, another uh, Atlanta, another Atlanta, Atlanta guy. area guy. Yep. Um, but like he's been out of rotation for essentially a year and a half, two years. Um, the Magic don't have necessarily the high salary guys to get them to, to make Atlanta make the deal. If, if that makes sense. Unless, it, it unless does. Jonathan Isaac or Wendell Carter is on the table, which, 
you yeah. know, I always, as, as always, to get something good, you got to give up something good. I don't think I the do. Nats are ready to, to sacrifice those guys. Yeah, and I, I understand that too. I, I do think, uh, I don't know if we were talking about Wendell in particular, I do think that the Hawks should have interest in Wendell Carter because um, mm-hmm. I think they're trying to move Capella for salary reasons and fit reasons, and they've already paid a Kongwu, but I think a Kongwu and Wendell are actually really yeah. interesting together. Um, putting that aside, I think it's not likely for that to be a package uh, for Wendell to be included. I do think Markel Fultz would be kind of interesting Mostly, mostly as an expiring, but he could help. I mean, he could play a real role for the Hawks right now. Um, he wouldn't be as good as Dejounte in that role, but because he can handle the ball a little bit, he can defend. Um, that's not a zero. Like there's, there's been a deal um, that's been talked about. I'm not saying it's close by any means, but like with Dinwiddie coming back from Brooklyn, kind of similar. Like that different player than than Fultz, but an expiring contract, a guy that the Hawks probably don't want to keep des- necessarily in, with desperation, but someone that who could who could help them now. He could play for them now. Fulton could play for them now. Um, and yeah, the other, the other, I mean, Gary Harris is kind of similar. Like, could he play some minutes for the Hawks? Sure, he could. Is that terribly appetizing? Probably not for the Hawks as a return for Dejounte. Same thing with Joe Ingles. You know, all the, you know, all those guys. But it is. It what is what the it Magic, is. what the Magic probably have, and I think this is the case for a lot of the deals that 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 they might be involved in. What the Magic have is their draft picks. Like, uh, what was what was that stat that that came around? It was like yeah, the between the mat between the Spurs, Magic. Pistons, Thunder, and Rockets, they own 75% of like future firsts for the next like I mean, five years yeah, or something I, like that. that. <laughs> the, the magic, and the magic, the magic are have, like on the low end of that. <laughs> yeah, the, the the combination of things the magic have that would be interesting in a Hawks deal is less about the current players. It would be more about they have expiring contracts, whichever ones you want to pick, they have them. And then they have young guys if you want to. You know, obviously Anthony Black is kind of in an interesting tier of his own there, but you have Jed Howard and you have picks and you have, those are the three things you have. Um, and it's not a bad combination of those things. It's just that whether the Hawks want to, I mean, whether Magic want to take Anthony Black off the table is interesting in this conversation. Um, picks are interesting. Like, obviously they would have no problem offering two first round picks. A lot of these yeah. teams can't get to two and yeah. Orlando could offer them two real and, unfake two for two first round yeah, picks. And, that, yeah. that is, and, I, and I think, thing. and I think the Matt, you know, like I think the magic are probably very actively shopping or willing to include the 2025 Denver pick that they have, um, which, you know, it's which a is not pick. a good pick, but it's a, it's a real pick. It's, a it's going to convey. Pick. It's a real pick. Yes. Yeah. And then honestly, like, you know, I know this draft isn't the craziest good draft. Like the magic aren't playing a draft pick from this year. Like, I don't know, you know, you don't just throw away a, tw- a first a first for anything. And that first is probably going to be in the 16, 17, 18 range, maybe. But why wouldn't I, I, I would, I would, I would think the magic would at least be more open to trading that pick than they happened in the past because Jet Howard's not playing. And, and presumably you're trying yeah. to open some space for him to play next year after he gets kind of a gap year in the G League. Yeah, and also, this is not something that I necessarily agree with, but a lot of the sentiment out there about this draft being bad, and I, I do agree it's with that. A, it's this, a middle draft. I, I do a, agree with that. Yeah. The dra- it's not yeah. a good draft, but yeah, t- th- th- why I'm saying I don't want to necessarily agree with it is that the middle of it's fine. Like, I, yeah. I think where the match you're going to pick is a fairly normal draft position. It's the top that's a disaster it's in this top, draft. It's the top that's not good, yeah. So, like... I think they, it gets, it's not it gets, Anthony Bennett bad. Let's be clear. Yeah, it gets described as this terrible draft, but it's really the top. The rest of it is kind of normal. So yeah. the, the equivalent value of the 16th pick, what you said, 18th pick, whatever it's going to be for Orlando, that's still a real pick. The Hawks are looking at that. Well, the Hawks are owed a pick by the Kings in that exact same range. So I'm tracking that range already, and it's like this is a pretty normal first round spot. And to your point, I think Orlando that would be interesting. I would imagine all things equal, the Hawks would probably not love that one because they already have potentially two first round picks in this draft. They have their own and they have the Kings pick, which is likely to convey again, that's nitpicking way down the road and at the end of the conversation. But I think that 
they may, they may, they may, they might be asking for 2025 or 2027 or something like yeah. that. Yeah, and the Magic obviously have those picks. They have that weird Phoenix Washington pick that they that will that again will convey, but it's the, like the more favorable of whatever the second, it is. The second Phoenix favorable. Washington. Yeah, oh, Phoenix second Washington favorable. Or, or, yeah, it's it's a weird. It's a weird. I, I looked briefly and I was confused by it, but that, that yeah, it's like it's sense. a weird. It's a weird one. Like I I, <laughs> I I even forgot that that they had it. Um, the last point I want to bring up um is. One thing that I think at least Magic fans have talked about, because like you said, the teams that are the favorites to get Murray, the Lakers, the Knicks, they're going to need some help. Do you view the Magic as a potential third team that could get involved in helping facilitate Murray elsewhere? You know, like some Magic fans pitched, you know, the Magic might be a team that would be willing to take on D'Angelo Russell. I don't, I don't think they would be, but that is, I was going to say that exact thing. He fits some needs too. It's not crazy to think that like there's logic there. It's hard. It's really hard from the outside to the point about not living fake trades. It's really hard on the outside mm-hmm. to like concoct scenarios for third teams, but because that one's been widely reported and I've heard it as well, like the Hawks are kind of at a stalemate with the Lakers on this deal. And part of it is the Hawks don't want Russell. They just don't want him. He fits a lot better in Orlando, for instance, than he would in Atlanta, even in the short term. So that that's a very logical one. I don't know if the Magic are like kicking and screaming to be excited about doing yeah. that, but they, they could for and by the way it would cost them very little that's the thing um the Hawks aren't asking for like in this in this three-way scenario it wouldn't be like hey give me a ton of stuff for D'Angelo Russell it's like can you give me an expiring contract for D'Angelo Russell one of those kind of things like faults for Russell kind of that kind of thing I'm not saying that would be exactly it but that kind of construction would make would make some sense or Gary Harris for Russell whatever you want to say it is um that I wouldn't mind that as the Hawks. I don't think the, I don't know about Orlando, like you said. Yeah, but I think he would kind of he kind of fits there, but kind of doesn't. I don't know. It's interesting. He fits and he doesn't. Like he gives yeah. them something that they they need. You know, like he helped the offense. He'd yeah, the offense. yeah, yeah. Anyway. And you think do they have enough to cover their def- cover defensively? Like you mentioned, yeah. Spencer Dinwiddie. He's been a guy I've kind of kicked around as well. Same like, kind of level as yeah, Russell in a lot of different yeah, ways. Yeah, just uh, give him give him another guy who's at least a threat to shoot. You know, a veteran. It you know. Uh, like a big thing that I've been talking with a lot of people about is like the magic have a lot of like kind of B and C level players, but you know, when Franz Wagner went out, the offense went in the tank because they didn't have someone who could be a B level player that turns into an A level player for a week when you need, when you need him to like, you know, you don't want to rely on that for a month, but you yeah. know, they don't have a guy that can score that outside of Paolo and Franz, who's going to, going to get you a 30, po- a 30 pointer on a random night or when, you know, Franz was out for a while when Paolo was out and that's, you know, that's kind of something that, that you need, uh, you need, yeah. you, you need it to, to play at a high level and you survive an 82 game season. But I, I actually think Russell might be underrated now in a vacuum. And I've never been, I've never been a big fan of his honestly, but I think the reason why for the Hawks is that he just can't play with Trey. Like that, yeah. that doesn't make any sense. Yeah, that so I think, um, put him next Atlanta, to Jalen Suggs. It's different. He played. Yeah. He would be, or even next to Fultz. Like he makes sense with yeah. multiple guys in Orlando in the way he would not next to Trey in Atlanta. So yeah. yeah. Uh, didn't want to dive too deep into that rabbit hole, but it does, it does oh, feel like <laughs> it does feel like there is a framework. Like there, like there is a path to, there are many happen. frameworks. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. And that like, like again, like my, my big thing when I get into these trade discussions is like, okay, for, you know, we'll worry about the details, but, but can you make the math work? Uh, you know, is there something yeah. that, that makes both teams say, huh, like, let me think about that a little bit. And you mentioned it earlier. You said quickly earlier, and I'll get out of your way. This is also a a deal that could happen this summer. Yeah. I know that's not sexy in the next few days, but if the Magic don't like what they see in the playoffs and and the Hawks keep Murray, which certainly could happen, these two teams still match up fairly well in July or June if they want to at the, at the, at the draft or in July. Like that's a, 
the non-zero possibility, I would say, of both sides kind of coming like, hey, Orlando might be more of a more in buy mode this summer. And then the Hawks might still be looking for takers on DeJounte. So that's six months away, five months away, but like that could be on the radar too. So, so save this. So, so, you know, save this podcast, put the link exactly. in your, put your link in your too many tabs, <laughs> save it, come back to it, come back to it after the season. The and only, tell a friend. Yeah. And tell a friend. Yeah. The, yeah. the only other thing. And, and again, like you mentioned, you, you hinted, you hinted a little bit with the Paolo DeJounte history. The only other thing, and I, I brought this up when I talked to, to Tony East of Locked on Pacers, when we chatted about Buddy Heald, um, the Magic and Hawks are also still kind of competing for the same spot in the in the East. Uh, yep. I'm sure Atlanta. I'm sure Atlanta. You know, Trey Young is an All Star level player. I'm sure he'll be one of the replacements uh, for for the All Star team uh, if he wants if he wants it. Um, but um, but I'm sure Atlanta still views itself as hey we we should be the sixth seed next year. Like we're still oh yeah a top six team in the in the conference. We had a bad year, but we're still top six team in the conference. They're not likely, you know, like kind of like with, I, I spoke about this with Tony East of locked on Pacers is like, why would the Pacers give the magic a really valuable player so that they can pass them in the standings? And, and, it, and, it's and people don't talk about that aspect enough. Cause like they think like, Oh, divisions don't matter anymore. Like, you know, like, like, why would you not, why would you care about this stuff? But like, you don't want to help your direct competition. Yeah. A lot of teams don't care. And some do. Is the way I would say, I, and, okay. I, and I don't exactly know what the Hawks feel. It's a new front office about because it hasn't come up yet about like, do you want to trade with a relative rival of yours? Um, like Daryl Morey is like, I don't care. You know what I mean? Like yeah. he'll, he'll trade with whoever it is, and if, if, it, makes, if it makes your team better, it makes your team better. But I mean, it certainly you want to make your team better. Like that's, yeah, that's what it, it, it could come in. It could come in at the end of a conversation. Be like, okay, as a tiebreaker, do we want to send to Orlando? Do we want to deal with this <laughs> yeah. with this guy and and Paolo and Franz for the next five six year, five six years? Maybe not. So yeah, it could be a tiebreaker on either side. Yeah, uh, Brad, I, I want to thank you for jumping on, telling us a little yeah. bit about Dejounte Murray, about where he stands ahead of the trade deadline. Uh, we'll see if this is still relevant after February eighth. That might be, like we said. Um, <laughs> but uh, good luck to you the re- good luck to you the rest of the season. Uh, the rumor the rumor mill is almost done spinning. Almost. <laughs> almost. Thanks for having me. I want to thank Brad for taking the time uh, to chat with us about DeJounte Murray. Second time uh, this year on the show. We did the Mexico City game back in back in uh, the November now. That's so long ago. Um, but I want to thank Brad for shedding some light on DeJounte Murray. Uh, hopefully we will be not be chatting with him in April because I don't really want to see the Hawks in the play-in tournament if it comes to that. Uh, and we may be chatting with him in June because, like we said, some of this stuff might linger on a little bit longer. So I want to thank him again. You can check him out on Locked On Hawks as well as the other great podcasts on the Locked On Podcast Network. But that's going to do it for me today. I want to thank you all again for listening to today's episode of Locked On Magic. Of course, find me on Twitter at philiprr underscore OMD. Subscribe to the podcast, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, tune in, Himalaya, Google Play, Spotify, Odyssey, and all fun places of podcasts to your podcast enabling device device for latest on the Orlando Magic. Be sure to check out orlandomagicdaily.com. You can find us there on Twitter at omagicdaily. And be sure to check out my Patreon page as well, the Orlando Magic Hub at patreon.com slash Hub. Thank you all for your support. On tomorrow's episode of Locked On Magic, we will break down the Orlando Magic's big game against the Miami Heat from the Kaseya Center. I'm driving down to Miami once again. So we'll see you down in South Beach, or near South Beach. I don't think it's actually South Beach, but we'll see you down in Miami tomorrow for another episode of Locked On Magic.